Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Um, welcome back to Real Food, Real Conversations. We are on episode 18, and I can't believe it's been this much because I feel like I just launched. Um, and I am beyond excited for this episode for multiple reasons. Number one, my guest. And number two, I like to ruffle feathers when I talk about things that a lot of people um, don't want to talk about. And I'm going to start this by saying that I absolutely do not mean to um, cut anyone down when they're talking about the subject, if they use the subject. It's just something that for me personally have has always kind of bothered me, uh, both in the mental sense of food and also just in general, I, I don't like the word. So you'll know what we're talking about in a second. Um, my guest is April. And April, will you introduce yourself? Hi, my name's April. I have a online business. It's Foxy Over 40. So I teach moderation lifestyle education for sustainable fat loss. Um, I think this is something that's really important because sustainability is the key to maintaining a healthy weight and a healthy relationship with food. So I offer, I do promote strength training. I think that's really important for women and people over 40 for bone density loss and everything that encompasses that. So. And I love that. And April and I go back like way, like, I mean, I think it was like, when I first started blogging, I got to know you and I forget through who, but somebody connected us. Um, yeah. I don't remember, but I have kind of followed her journey and I love the Foxy over 40. I think it's amazing. I, if you don't follow it on Instagram, make sure you do. Cause it's true. I feel like once we hit 40, all of a sudden people are like, Oh, you know, you're old. And like, actually I have to say, I feel some of the best I've ever felt in my life. And it's so important we take care of ourselves. I mean, so important. And taking care of yourself doesn't mean that you have to um, necessarily follow some crazy restrictive diet, as I guess you can say, which leads me into what we're going to chat about today is um, the word clean eating. <laughs> I This has been a buzzword, I think, for as long as I can remember. And I feel like from the beginning, when I heard this term clean eating, I've always been like, well, what do you mean by clean eating? I mean, are you washing your food? Like I, I, at first I really was like, what does that mean? And then I got into it and I was like, oh, you mean like wholesome products or ingredients that aren't full of processed things? Like, okay, that makes sense. But why clean? Do you have any idea where this originated from? I'm not really sure, honestly. I think this is something that's been pushed by influencers uh, that are not very well-versed in nutrition science. I think that it's a classist-type trend. You know, a lot of people really want to jump on a bandwagon for something. They really want to belong to something that's, that makes them yes. feel important, that makes them feel a part of something. And I think that the elitist attitude about food and eating that comes with clean eating is something that a lot of people want to jump on board with makes them feel good about themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think mentally people, I mean, that's, we all human nature, we all want to be part of something. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I have a story from like my sister actually um, was her daughter who is, who has anxiety, who has tendencies of 
um, not feeling great about herself. She was bullied when she was younger um, for being called fat. And it, it was ridiculous because she's so not. But there was an experience that um, she told me about where she was at a friend's and the mother was saying, talking to them about, oh, well, we only eat clean snacks. <laughs> and we were like, my sister's like, well, what do you mean? Like, what we eat is dirty? Like, that's the opposite of clean. This is my right. issue. Like, so does that mean the other stuff is dirty? Because I like to advocate that there's room for all kinds of foods, depending on what your goal is and what your, you know, because for me, like, I find comfort in eating a bowl of ice cream cookies and french fries. And sometimes I'm not going to eat to be, as, be quote unquote, healthy or wholesome. Sometimes I'm going to eat for my mental state to, because that's what I want to do. And I, I'm going to preface this by saying I do not have an eating disorder. So that's a whole nother subject, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but, this is not, we're not talking about that. <laughs> yeah, not talking about people with eating disorders because that is something no. you need to get like real help with. But for me, yeah. somebody who has a good relationship with food, I do think it's okay. And I encourage me and my kids to sometimes eat those things that I guess other people look at as dirty. And then mentally you're like, dirty, like what? Well, right, because mental well, your mental mental well being is more important than being so restrictive. And this whole clean eating thing, the problem with this is that it implies that food carries a moral value. Yes, it's like clean is good, not clean is bad. You know, this, yes, this is not that doesn't belong in this arena. I totally agree, and that's kind of it is, and that's where you're talking about like elitist. Like, well, I mean okay, well, clean is good. Well, I don't know. I feel like I'd like to get back to that old school way of getting out and getting dirty is good. Like, why is that so bad? And yeah, it's, it's, that's the thing I struggle with. And something I've, I've actually learned in my journey through influencing being in the online food space. When I first started, I jumped in, I had no idea the craziness that was (laughs) encompassed. I mean, no idea. I mean, I was this naive person where I actually fell into it wasn't something I ever necessarily strove to do it was my husband has had health issues he had super high blood pressure cholesterol his entire family all the doctors have always told him it's genetic and he got to a point after our second child where he was really sick and he has a cardiologist who's incredible at um, scripts who said look like you're taking all this medication we could up your medication change your medication or if you're open, we can approach it through a dietary perspective. And my husband, within three months of being cutting out animal, pro- mostly animal products, he doesn't eat any meat anymore. Um, he does eat some, you know, we're balanced. He eats some dairy, some eggs, you know, whatever. He doesn't like seafood, so fish isn't in there. But three months of being mostly, you know, plant-based, he was off all his medications and he's continued this. And he is, to this day, has excellent blood pressure, has no problems, no high cholesterol. And for him, and I, like I've said all the time, like we're all different. So this is what's worked for him as guided by a doctor. Um, It's been great. So that is how I got into cooking plant-based meals because he's, you know, at the time we had two babies and I did all the cooking. I was like, well, if you're going to do it, we're all going to jump into it um, as a family. And this is going to be mostly what we do. And that's how my business started. But I had no idea the pressure and the all or nothing space that plant-based and vegan eating was. Yes. And I felt like I felt back then that it was a very elitist um, 
if you don't do this, you're a terrible human and you're going to rot in hell type of attitude. And I felt like this black sheep the whole time because I was like, I, I don't believe this, but I'm here. So it was so conflicting to me. Mm-hmm. And that is why I started developing this more, this niche of balanced eating. If, you know, yes, plants are great. Adding more fresh veggies are great, but that doesn't mean you have to do this all or nothing. All right. And honestly, you know, I, before I decided to go back to school to become a registered dietitian, I fell into that trap. I was a food blogger years ago, as you know, um, I was a plant-based food, food blogger and it was really easy to slip into the whole clean eating of no processed foods, everything in a natural form, um, all meals prepared from home. But then when I became a single mom, another thing I realized, and it really hit me that this is another area of shaming is for low income people. I mean, these people don't, you know, low income or moderate to low income people, they don't have a lot of money or a lot of time, you know, like, right. Time is a luxury that the tired, low income average parent or population can't afford. So why should these people feel like, well, I'm unhealthy or I'm not feeding, you know, mothers. If you think about mothers, like, yes, I, I, I'm not, I'm not providing an adequate diet for my kids because I can't afford it. And somehow that's going to shame them into being a bad parent. That's just not fair. No, I, that is so true. And I think that we lose sight of that. And that is a bigger problem that we, unfortunately, I don't think we can do much about. This is an issue like, and that's where I struggled. Why can't we have equal opportunity? Like, why are we making McDonald's, whatever? Why are we making that so cheap and not having inexpensive things that are quick and easy that do contain more whole foods and do, I mean, it's almost like this vicious cycle of like further pushing down that, you know, the lower, like why, like, why isn't it accessible for everybody? And, and part of um, why I, the whole, like, and I know this is a whole nother subject, but like the whole organic thing, like, yes, I do buy local organic stuff from certain stores that I think tastes good, but I fully advocate that a label of organic does not necessarily mean it's better. No, not at all. And I think that, hey, if you can afford it and whatever, but I also have a stand that is right by my house that nothing is labeled organic. It's all from local farms. And, you know, organic is great, but organic is expensive to get certified. And just because you're not certified organic doesn't mean you're not practicing good farming skills or whatever. And I know a lot about organic farming because I've visited organic farms, I learned about it. And the, the idea is great. And I think a lot of farmers use that. They just can't jump through the hoops and pay the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to be certified that. And right. we have local farms that are wonderful that aren't labeled organic and their fruit and vegetables are amazing and they're less expensive. Like, why can't we make that available? It's so frustrating. Right. And if you look at the science behind organic, like you said, this is a total different topic, but there's really enough, uh, not a whole lot of proof that says this is better. You know, like these people don't need to feel like, oh, I can't afford organic. Uh, right. Good job. Like that's just, it's absolutely not necessary. And there is, you know, a lot of it does also, like there is people in the lower income brackets, they do have access to more fresh foods or vegetables, fruits, things like that. But there's an education gap. Yes. Where, you know, if they only have X amount of money every month to spend on food. Yep. 
they haven't necessarily gotten that education on what they're supposed to spend that food on. So it's easy to go to McDonald's. They, they don't have a lot of time. Yep. You know that. Yeah. Ex- yeah. They can't prepare meals at home necessarily. So it's a matter of choice. It's not always yep. an ideal situation. Well, there's so many b- balls as a parent, especially that we're carrying here. Like, you know, we have to do this. And especially, you know, like this is where it's, it's so hard for me. So many things that come up that it's like these parents, you know, especially in the time we are right now, if you're listening, we're still in the middle of this whole global pandemic. And there's all this talk about essential workers and grocery stores. And now schools are closed. It's like, do you even know, like, I, that's a whole nother, you know, topic about, is it safe for kids to go to school? But the bottom line yeah. is there is a whole community of people that are going to suffer so much in the coming months. And it breaks my heart because I say I have what's called Corona privilege. I have the privilege that I work from home. My husband works from home. And as much as I'm devastated and so sad for my children, I can make it work. But what about the people that are going to the grocery stores that are being paid minimum wage Mm -hmm. that literally, I mean, we know how expensive childcare is. How in the world is that (laughs) even going to happen? Like, yeah, no. (laughs) And so that's like, there's so many balls we carry. So then these parents are also worried about like the pressure of feeding their kids. Like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, now the mental health, now you're on a mental health issue where it's slipping, you know, and that's just not, you can still be stressed out and have a little bit of money, not a whole lot of money for food and still make healthy choices. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be, it's, I think it's terrible that this, classist ideas being pushed so much on social media so that people feel like, you know, Oh, I, I I have to do this or something negative, you know, fill in something negative. Right. I, or my kids are, yeah, no, totally. And I also, do you feel like, I also feel like I wish there was more programs and stuff to give that education and like to teach them how to create simple meals at home. Because I think we've talked about this, like, like wholesome meals do not have to be fancy. Like they can take less than 15 minutes to prepare if you know how and you have the tools and you have the information you need. I mean, like you can do that. I mean, it doesn't have to be this amazing fancy meal all the time. No, there are some. um, So I volunteer with WIC for the Achieve for Kids program. Uh Moms come in. um, Sometimes they're single moms are married. They have small children. And they do cooking classes and they teach people how to like choose better foods, uh, pick healthier options at the grocery store. So there is that, but outside of that, I don't see a whole lot. I mean, it's hard on the internet because let's say you're someone who doesn't cook or doesn't have internet or doesn't have internet or or you go to the store and you, you have good intentions, but you're so overwhelmed. You don't, where do I start? Which recipe do I pick? You know, like, how do I go about this? It just feels so overwhelming. It almost feels like, um, yeah, because that's the, the simplest thing of you don't have internet. I mean, yeah. this, these are the simple things that so many of us don't even think about. You nope. know, like yeah. how we provide this information, but how do you even get it if you don't even have the internet? Like, you know, it's like, right, right. It, it's almost like, you know, we need these free programs if we really want as a country to get our, overall health better. Like we, there's so many facets. We need the mental health support of getting people that, you know, struggle with this 
in a place mental health to know that it's okay. It's okay not to be this, you know, amazing, you know, like that you see online. It's okay to start small, to start with maybe just breakfast, one breakfast a week, you know, whatever the education of what, you know, whole foods, what, what it, how helps you physically, mentally, nutritiously, whatever the access to teach people how to do this, meaning free coaches, free something, something that's provided, um, the access to the actual food. Like there's so many balls and people just don't, they think it's just this easy fix. And I think I talk about this in many subjects, but I was a teacher and I, part of my teaching career, I was special education teacher. And for example, taking, teaching kids with learning disabilities, writing, it's not just the process of teaching writing. When you're teaching writing, you're teaching, you have to think about how you spell words, your letter formation, the letter spacing within the word, the word spacing within the sentence, the sentence spacing within the paragraph, the paragraph spacing within a page, what you're writing about, editing. I mean, there's so many facets to teaching one thing. And I feel like this is the same in this subject. Like there's just so many arenas that we need in order for this to be successful. And then you have this online pressure of clean eating. <laughs> well, even so, like even, you know, we talked a lot about the low income, even if you look at, you know, moderate or middle class to upper class, like there's a lot of people who struggle with weight loss. They struggle yeah. maintaining a healthy weight. You know, a lot of times they subscribe to this clean eating situation. So they take out something out of their diet. I'm not going to eat sugar for 60 days. I'm only going to eat clean. You know, they do something that is absolutely not sustainable and sustainability right. key for success. You know, like that includes moderation. I mean, what, what happens if you're doing like, okay, I'm only clean eating, but you know, I have a last minute date with my husband or my spouse or my wife or something, you know, and partner or a new person that I met, or let's say you go to a party and you know, food is almost a religion in life, like food is really important. It's yes. You know, the Italians say food is love and, and yep. that's, really, that's actually really true. And you have to be able to navigate these things, still maintain a healthy weight and not go crazy. Be feeling like, Oh, you know, a lot of people get caught in this trap. This is a lot of people that I deal with, you know, for a long time, they've tried to do some type of clean diet or some type of diet. So they sign up for it. They go to the grocery store, they buy everything. Then they cook all these meals that they don't really like. They start making themselves eat it. They start to fall off the wagon. Their motivational drivers are low. They don't really have the right motivation for it, or it's just not sustainable. So then they say, oh, I can't do this. Forget it. I'm going to get six donuts, and I'm going to drink you know, a tall venti frappuccino, whatever. Now they're shaming themselves. Oh, I'm just not one of these people that can do this. I just I don't have the willpower. No, there's nothing wrong with you. Yes. You didn't set yourself up for success from the beginning because this type of restrictive behavior, this type of elitist behavior with food is not healthy. It's not sustainable. It's never going to work. Well, and it's, it's not you. That's the problem. It's, it's the diet. It's not like that's the issue. And that's so funny. Cause I just, I'm launching, you know, my, my course, and this is exactly what this whole cycle of not setting up yourself up for success. I feel is in so many areas of the food world. So many. And it's this constant cycle of I'm just not good enough. And society in general, you know, especially as women, as mothers in general, like from Pinterest birthday parties to freaking 
breastfeeding, potty training, sleeping, whatever the hell it is, whatever the hell it is, yeah. we are meant to feel like we suck from yep. the beginning. Yeah. And food, it's the same way. And it's like, no, it's not you. And the funny thing is, is I feel most of us feel this way, but everyone is too scared and doesn't have the courage to speak up about it. No. And so therefore, we, everyone continues to think that they suck because the whole online world that does speak out, that does talk about all these things is, but they're talking about it in an unsuccessful way. So they're leading the, 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 you know, leading the whole curve of what's right. And all of us down there are being pushed down because we don't have the confidence and the courage to say, no, that's not true. And there are some people yeah. on there, but you know, sometimes I feel like, cause I got into the whole rabbit hole of anti-diet culture influencers. And I also feel like they're on the other end of the extreme spectrum. Like oh yeah, they're, that happy place is somewhere in the middle where, you know, like there is a sustainable long-term way to eat and, and meet your goals. And isn't it about your end goal? Because yeah. for us, our end goal was my husband's health. Well, here's the thing. Uh, the last three months I've figured out that I actually have a problem with gluten. And I didn't know, I, we've, we've always had like, you know, my husband's always like too much gluten has kind of, you know, rubbed his belly. We've none of us have, you know, what's it called? You know, see, I don't know. Maybe I do have a like I have no idea. None of us are like crazy, whatever. But yeah, you know, I went, it. yeah. And well, what happened though is uh, it's, I've always kind of been bothered by dairy gluten. I was diagnosed with IBS when I was, you know, 20, you know, digestion issues. And when we changed our diet with my husband, I felt way better. Well, I think a lot of why I felt better is because I took dairy out and we did do less gluten um, because his cardiologist recommended that. And so I think I was just seeing those effects. Well, I went through menopause early. Um, I'm actually on the other end. I'm postmenopausal now, even though I'm only 43. But as I was doing that and I had my third baby, things started getting worse. And I started having all these feelings and I started, I see a functional MD now um, once a month. And she suggested I, I try gluten. And because my, my brand is, I don't like this all or nothing. I was like, you want me to hundred percent take gluten out? Right. I, I dreaded it. Well, unfortunately, two months later, I was like, F, I feel so much better. Yeah, yeah. I was like, people, like if you have an issue with something, you know, absolutely. If you have an allergy, you know, absolutely. But just to demonize certain, like sugar is a big one. Like we all know, like yes. sugar is on the big hit list. Like don't eat anything with sugar, but you know, no one really understands what the true meaning of sugar is. That's a completely different conversation. But you know, just removing things like that based on fear, not yes. based on like, Based on, yes. Yeah. And your goal. Well, and that's the thing is now our health goals have kind of changed a little bit. And I am because gluten and I did have gluten again, I was on a vacation in June. I'm like, F it. I don't want to worry about it. My mental health is more important with all that's going on. But man, did I suffer when I came back? I had, I had what was called gluten flu, my whole oh. body. Like I thought I had COVID and my doc's like, Nope, you're don't have COVID. It's like gluten attack. And I'm like, rad. Uh -oh. So now, yeah. now I know that I have to be more careful, but because that's entered my life, my end goal has kind of shifted a little bit. So when I go out, if I have, you know, certain choices, like gluten has to be the number one thing I don't, I try and avoid. Whereas my husband, the number thing he needs to avoid is, you know, the meat, the whatever, cause that's what affects him. Right. 
So that's the, I, the whole point, right? Is we have this end goal and why do we need to have, feel shame in, you know, oh, well, if your end goal is weight loss, like you're saying, great, but you need to, that's a health thing. You need to sustain that and the pressure of doing it a certain way and following this box of whatever and feeling guilty about, and what you're talking about with food, that I say that all the time. In history, food brings people together. Right. So how do you tell your, how do you work with people with this whole mental of the clean eating diet and that word and going to parties and doing that? How do you like talk to them about that? So what I do is I typically try to analyze where they're coming from with their food, you know, morals or ideals. You know, a lot of the big one is chemicals. Like, well, I don't need anything in a package because it has chemicals. Well, everything's chemical. Water is a chemical, you know, water can kill you. You know, so I try yeah. to teach people over, a, you know, I try to set them up for success. Like this isn't going to be overnight. I don't want you to look at these 30 day transformations. Those aren't real. That's Photoshop, whatever. Like I want you to change the way you eat. So, you know, a lot of people are starting over from scratch. So we're going to start week one. We're going to focus on protein or it depends on where the person's coming from. But I typically assign, I want you to make sure every single day that 10% of your calories comes from a treat. That could be chocolate, ice cream, Pop-Tarts, uh, beer, Trulies, Margaret, whatever, you know, but like, I want you, you have to have something every day. No I love that. Absolutely no more restrictive. If you want it, you know, eat it. I want you to decide, okay, so I really want tacos tonight. So I'm going to teach you how to I'm going to want tacos with all the fixings, but then I'm going to teach you how to eat the rest of the day around it. Or I want in and out burger. Okay. That's going to be your 10%. You know, in, instead of looking at foods as bad or good, you know, like this whole clean, yes. thing, bad, clean or bad, it's just food. You can always make better choices and it's all about your overall daily picture rather than yeah. each individual item, you know, and I try to remove the, the feelings of guilt around, oh my gosh, I just ate a Snickers bar. Well, yeah, but look at your weight. Your weight has been steady this whole time and you've been, you had some wine with the girls and you had a burger and you went to a party and you didn't feel like guilty about having whatever there was on the table. Like, this is, I try to focus on success that isn't necessarily dropping weight based. Yes. And well, and also eating those, like it's such a mental game too. Like what you're like, stress and you can correct me as I go through this, but I know that like, you know, stress with cortisol and all the things that stress gives puts our body into such a stressful place. And when food is stressful, losing weight's going to be harder, right? Like it, it is. I mean, like it's, there's different levels of stress as far as like cortisol, yes. but um, yeah, I mean, overall picture, like you're saying is definitely, yeah. You know, you have to let go of some of the stress with, in order to keep it up, in order to maintain it. Well, and it's just not healthy to like every time you're eating to be stressed. Like your your brain is going to start making that as that's the problem with disordered eating is your brain makes right. that association, and you have right. to break that connection of the trigger of food. You know, food is supposed to make you happy. And and the other thing I really hate when it comes to clean eating is oh, I'm taking a cheat day. Like oh, yeah. you're cheating. I like can't, I can't. don't. 
<laughs> it's a choice. It's a choice. It's not a cheat. It's a choice. Like, and cheating on. Right. And well, and that's my <laughs> issue because cheating, that's another moral thing being associated with food is cheating. It's like, why is it a cheat if it should be looked at as it's freaking delicious? Like, yeah, those cookies, that cake, that taco, whatever it is that you eat, you're, you get these happy hormones, you know, when you're enjoying something. In fact, my middle right. son, I thought about this the other day because I'm like, oh God, one, one day there's going to be a girlfriend that breaks up with him because of this. But my middle son yeah. makes these sounds when he eats something delicious. He goes, mm, mm. he like makes these like happy sounds. And I was like, oh God, do I yeah. say something now? But I'm like, I can't kill his happiness because he's enjoying this so much. But yeah. I'm like, a girlfriend's going to think that's really annoying one day. Yeah. But that's like, you know, kids are so kids are so innocent and that's, I look at kids and, and I've tried really hard with raising my boys with a healthy relationship and avoiding certain words and, you know, helping them understand that the reason we have chosen to eat a certain way is because daddy has a true medical issue right. that runs in his family, that there's a good chance at least one of them's going to have it. And I want them to know what it feels like to feel really good. Mm -hmm. But I also want them like, as when they were little, obviously, like they just ate what we gave them. But now that they're older, when we go out and stuff, we let them eat whatever they want. And right. they've experienced all the meats and all of this. And there's things that they don't like, you know, naturally, they're like, Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. And there's things that we do, they do. And we want them to know that like, you know, certain people like dad have to make certain decisions for their health. But at this point in your life, like you also need to, to try things and learn things and decide what you want. And I want them to empower themselves to make those decisions when they're older. Yeah, and, that's, you know, that's so important because that's how most adults have disordered eating or like that's most of the people, you know, that's why we're here. We didn't learn from, you know, childhood that, you know, oh, you can't have too much sugar. Or, oh, you can't, have, you know, like that's not ever taught. So we have a lot of adults, you know, just like a lot of other like emotional issues, things like that. We have a lot of adults who were never taught how to handle things. So now they're right. trying to unlearn. Like with my kids, I've taught my kids how to read labels. And I say, absolutely, you want chips, but I'd like you to have a carrot with that. Or I'd like you to have some cucumbers. Like if you teach them from when the time that they're young, I think that would help. That's going to help from having such a negative connotation about food later on. Totally. Like, and I, I tell my kids like, you know, chips, like great, dip them in some hummus, you know, like get a protein in there. Like don't just, you know, load up on these, you know, carby chips. Like you need something else to balance you out. And I'm trying to teach them about well-rounded meals and carbs are not the devil and fat is not the devil. Like, right. you know, it's, you have, you know, we need a little bit of everything. And I, um, the other thing is that I want my boys to also learn control and how do you teach control without letting them learn it themselves? Yes, exactly. You know, I mean, you have to have that experience. Like we have a big glass container and it's labeled candy and it's right on our countertop. And my kids know, you know, once they've, if they have like, you know, and I don't push eating all your food because I'm totally against that as well. Yeah. Um, but when they've eaten dinner um, and they're amply full, you know, and they've, whatever we have, like the little one, he's five. We're like, you got to try a bite of something because we want to know if you like it or you don't, right. but they know that they can go get something from the candy jar. Like it's, it's there, it's open. It's not this crazy. And they've also had my son's oldest son's birthday is on Halloween. 
So Halloween yeah. is like, go for it, do what you want. But there's been times where they have eaten so much candy that they're like, I feel awful. Like, remember yeah, that feeling. Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think too, another thing as like women, as like moms, we have to really be careful about how we talk about ourselves and our bodies in front of our kids. Yes. That's another, like, it falls into the clean eating, bad, good food. Like, you know, I really try, I have a daughter and a son and like, I try really hard. We have to watch what we say about like, oh, I look fat in this or losing weight or gaining weight or have so much obsession with weight looks, you know, Yes. and what that means. Totally. I so agree with you on that. It's, it is that's another big one. And especially, and I have all boys, but I still think that's so important for boys because yes. not only for themselves, but also for the women that they will be with. Like I want them to, I mean, the truth of the matter, truth of the matter is we all comes and come in different shapes and sizes. And yes, there's, you know, a weight that gets to a point where we're unhealthy. And that's my issue with the diet culture is that in some things it's like, Oh, just love your body the way it is. Well, what if you want to change? What if you don't yeah. feel healthy? Like, why is that not okay? You know, like yeah. if you don't feel good and you don't feel healthy and you want to gain more energy, like it's okay to want to lose weight. I don't think there's anything bad with that, No. but, but we're all not going to be a Victoria's secret model. And no. that's where I like, I'm short, I'm five feet, half an inch tall. And <laughs> I'm generally, um, I kind of, I'm average a hundred pounds, you know, like right now I'm like 98, 99. It kind of, I fluctuate, but that's my average. Like this is the way my body is. And right. I fluctuate a little bit depending on if I'm on vacation and eating French fries and drinking like a fish by the pool. Right. Or if I'm, you know, in a kick where I'm craving all the fresh fruit veggies and, you know, working out every day, like it fluctuates for sure. But I'm never going to be this long, lanky, you know, tall-legged creature. And that, you know, as a woman took me, it, it was hard because all the clothes, I always had to get them hemmed. Nothing fit me right. And, and then that's like you putting it on yourself or it's not you're the issue. It's like, and I don't want my boys, I try really hard. I don't want my boys hearing that and thinking, oh, a woman should be that way. Right, Exactly. And boys, you know, boys have disordered, disordered eating too. It's not just women. And yeah. yeah, so you're right. It goes both ways. Like the way they view things, the way they view themselves. It's, it's really important just overall. Yes. No, a hundred percent. I totally agree with you. Um, this is such a good conversation. I, where can people find you if they're listening to this and looking? Cause I will say that I, am so onto, you know, the way you teach people, how you include I love, I love that you include a treat every day. Like that's so important to me. And I just, I see so much out there about like restricting yourself and holy moly, like, and a lot of what I make my treats is actually made from really decent ingredients and they taste amazing. And, right. but we also eat dessert out and we do these things. And I just think it's really important to include that. And I love that. So anybody that's listening and looking for support, help, whatever it is, um, where can they find you? So right now I'm on, uh, so it's Foxy over 40. I'm on Instagram. I'm probably the most active on Instagram right now. I'm working on a website currently. I'm also on uh, Facebook. It's with two X's Foxy over 40, but uh, Instagram is probably the best way to reach me. I post, post a lot of like last minute throw together recipes, 
um, awesome. workouts, you know, suggestions for foods or, you know, products that I've seen, or I really enjoy, uh, you know, things like that. I love that. I love that. And, um, it just, I don't know. It's, it's so, it's so awesome to know that there's people out there that can teach sustainable long-term fat loss, whatever it is without restricting and making you feel like you're well, eating car- carrots for the rest of your life. All right. And I'm 44, you know, so I know how it is in your forties as, as a woman. And I think it's really important for women, you know, or men, um, to feel like, you know, you can still, you still got it. You know, you're, you're in your 40s. Totally. Totally. I totally you think still, you got you, it. And you know, a hundred percent. And I honestly think, I feel like so many of us in our forties, like we actually kind of have this rebirth of like, yes. you know, yeah, we're not 20 year old somethings and your body changes. And as you know, like your body changes with the way it metabolizes things and what you need. And for me, I've had so many changes. It's been insane, but it's awesome. It's all awesome. It doesn't mean that change is necessarily a bad thing. Well, because now we have the mental capacity to, you know, we're a lot smarter. Yes. You know, but we don't have that. It's like a cruel joke in life. You know, I guess you could say you don't, when you're 25, you know, you have the body of a 25 year old with a brain, you know, and then it's like, okay, well now I'm smart, but those two yes. go together, you know? So, but you can, you can yeah. still, you can still have that. Awesome. Like, okay. Totally. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. And I will include all of April's info um, in the uh, show notes on the blog um, post all at the bottom. So if you are interested, you can get in touch with her. Um, And also join us next time. Next episode, I'm going to be talking, continuing this conversation about how to enjoy yourself when you eat out, how to let go of certain things. And also if you need to eat a certain way, like tips and ideas of how to kind of do it, but also enjoy yourself because I love to eat out and eating out to me is more just, it's more about, you know, the connection with people. And that's such an important part of eating, you know? Right. So thank you so much, April. I so appreciate it. Thanks for having me.